Welcome to The Other Side of 40. My name is April Grant, and I'm here to help women make positive changes with their lives after the age of 40. Let The Other Side of 40 become your community to find inspiration and support to start the next chapter of your life. Hello, and welcome to another week. Um, This is The Other Side of 40 with April Noel Grant, and I'm so excited to be here. This is a welcome break from... uh, distance learning while trying to work while trying to get some alone time um and as i say that someone is knocking on the door (laughs) so uh as a matter of fact since we're just getting started let me answer that because i don't know what that is (laughs) normally they leave me alone normally there's a sign on the door okay that was just my daughter dropping off mail about voting so if you have not voted (laughs) go vote (laughs) Um, the election technically ends on November 3rd. We are in voting season. So please go do that if you haven't done that. So now we will get started with our guest. Um, and I met her with the book that I wrote or we wrote, um, we each contributed, contributed an essay. I just want to hang out with you. So, um, Veronica Ariola is a did I pronounce that correctly? I normally ask. I, it, I say Ariola, but Ariola. Let's Ariola. say it correctly. Veronica Ariola is a professional feminist writer and soccer mom. Veronica's writing has been featured in USA Today, New York Times, as well as Bitch Media, where she serves on the board of directors. She has an essay in the book, I Just Want to Hang Out With You a collection of short stories by moms. Veronica's pandemic project was to jump into the podcast pool with The Feminist Agenda, where she talks to other professional feminists about their work and how they stay organized. By day, she works on diversity and science issues at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Veronica is a community organizer on the far north side of Chicago, where she lives with her husband and their high school age daughter. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Tell me, what made you want to come and speak to this audience? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> I, I, I am an oversharer. Um, but I also am also very reluctant to get too vulnerable. Okay. So I have this weird tension between both of those things and I'm working on being a little more vulnerable in my life. As I get older, I have a cadre of wonderful friends who are a little bit older than me and I really admire how they go about life or I've watched them go about life giving little thought to what other people think about them in terms of how they go about life and what they think, but they're very willing to share their thoughts. So I'm trying to learn how to be more like that and sharing what's on my brain without worried about how other people are going to react. Yeah. Um, which might be surprising for some people because I am a pretty mouthy and opinionated person, but I do give a lot of thought about like, how do I say this without upsetting people? 
And I don't want to be rude, uh, but I also want to be more authentic in my life. You, you know, you say that and you hesitate, but at the same time, I totally relate to that. I spend so much time carefully crafting sentences and words, especially online, especially during the season of COVID on Facebook, to say, pass the right message <laughs> where it's not, not <laughs> I think I've stopped caring particularly about hurting their feelings, but I don't want to be so brass or crass where they don't actually finish reading it and they're you know they get so in their emotions they don't actually understand what I'm trying to say so um I would say my from my awakening moment that was definitely something that I realized that I just don't want to do anymore like I don't I mean I still I like to speak in a way that people understand but I also also want to be more authentic and express myself in a way that um, is more true to me instead of hiding because normally I just hide. <laughs> I just stay to myself and stay quiet. So, um, <laughs> I, go ahead. Yeah. And because I'm opinionated and I state my opinion, especially online and I get a lot of people who don't interact a lot on Facebook, but they say I, they always appreciate my posts because mm. I'm informative and I state my opinion and my case. And I think maybe what I'm trying to do is just try to level up on that. Nice. I, I know where I am on that, but I know I could get even bolder. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about being a radical, well, not radical, I put in radical, a feminist. <laughs> and what, is, what does that mean to you? And what should we also all be feminist with you? I think everyone should be a feminist. I think feminism is about creating a world where there is justice for everybody. Uh, what, no matter what your gender is, your race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, um, feminism is where I pull all, it's kind of like my sandbox. I pull all the different issues in the world and I find they connect in this space that I call feminism. Um, especially, you know, right now during COVID, seeing all these different issues and seeing that there is a gender imbalance to how it's impacting. Um, we talk about the different jobs that are disappearing and may never come back um, and how prevalent it is in terms of like service work, how many women work in that space. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were praising teachers and healthcare workers and who are primarily women, yeah. uh, particularly nurses and home caregivers. And so then watching not only the, the health impacts, but the economic impacts and the lengthy psychological impacts of COVID hitting a primarily women, non-male population is really important for us to talk about. And it doesn't ignore men's impact or the impact COVID has met, had on men, but raises up the increased impact that is happening to some certain populations. Um, yeah. Well, that may- 
That makes me think of the article that just came out about how so many women are feeling completely overwhelmed with this, you know, working from home because a lot of the labor is falling on her shoulders, even if the man is still working from home as well. So, and the disparity between the fact that they have more and more to do, they are trying to be the homeschooler plus the, the house cleaner, plus the cook, plus the, all of that. Um, And it's making their work, work suffer. And all it does is push us as women back instead of pushing us forward. Absolutely. Uh, COVID has definitely revealed the precarity of where women have, where women are in our society, at least in the U.S. particularly, and how we have constructed the space where those of us who can those of us who have the ability to work outside of our home in what is thought of as kind of like a fast paced environment where career women were climbing the ladder um, is built on top of other women's work. Yeah. So we are highly dependent of daycares, uh, highly dependent on our housekeepers, highly dependent on our dry cleaners, um, all of those sorts of things that we stand on in order for us to reach our goals and our dreams. And then COVID took it all away. Yeah. Like a magician pulling a tablecloth off a table really quickly. And our house of cards have just tumbled down. And unfortunately for too many mothers, they're mostly male co-parent, the fathers of their children are not reacting in a way that says that they understand that the kids are home. So I need, and I need to help out, um, take care of them, track, you know, if you've got more than one kid, you know, assign a kid to a parent, (laughs) you take care of the syllabus this, this semester and you take, you make sure that this one child and my mom friends who are like, I've got three kids that I'm trying to juggle. I'm like, where is the father? <laughs> well, I, I have to say in that way, I'm very blessed. So my husband, we actually incorporated that this week is separating them. So initially the girls, actually he had full, he was taking care of all of it in the beginning. Um, mainly because he typically wakes up earlier than I do and he was situated and ready for them at the beginning of the day. And then they were just, the day would just go and I would pop in as necessary, you know, hearing the fights, the talking, the hearing them play other things on their tablet besides classwork. Uh, (laughs) and then this week we just made the determination and I purposely, so for COVID, my husband made desks. So we have two desks and I purposely did two so we could separate them with the intention that, listen, I've got two little girls who love to talk to each other, who love to spend time together (laughs) and trying to go to school and technically they're on different schedules because even though the school starts and ends at the same time, their lunch breaks are different. Their recesses are different. I'm not quite sure I understand that. I mean, I do on some respect because obviously the kids that are in class, cause we have people, we have students in school um, here oh, in Florida. Okay. Yeah. 
So the kids in school need to be separated. So I'm sure that's where it's coming from. But home, you know, that creates a lot of discourse and a lot of issues, uh, scheduling issues at home with one's at lunch and the other's in class. So we moved one of my daughters in the room, in the bedroom with me, while one's in the living room with him, um, which it seemed to work better. But I would have to say, I feel like I'm one of few that has that ability or has that story to tell. I feel like talking to my friends, it's like, no, I have to do it. I get them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, you know, make sure they're done with their classwork. And I was just like, I, I told him from the beginning, I was like, there's just no way. There's no way it can be 100% either one of us and whatever works will work. And initially we thought it might work. We tried it and then we realized it didn't work. (laughs) So we separated it. Um, And, you know, it's just really jarring how this situation has not only brought out the disparity between the workloads of the two parents, but it's also shown us how underappreciated women are in general in the society because yeah, we've been absolutely. kind of thrown out to just go do, just handle it um, yeah. while the men can not. <laughs> they don't have to even <laughs> think about it. A lot of them don't even have to. It's not even a thought that yeah. crosses their mind to handle it. And it's sad and disappointing, but I think with more women speaking more of the articles to share because what I do is whenever I see one of the articles that talk about emotional labor or um, the extra work women do the first thing I do is send that article to my husband I'm like read it whether he agrees with it or not read it we can talk about it Um, you know see and I think you know, obviously it's not the first yeah, time yeah. he used it, but, you know, by article three or four, he starts to kind of understand, you know, oh, this is what you're trying to say. This is what you need. And, you know, I had a com- conversation with him. So he actually cook, does most of the cooking. And I asked him, you know, do you have any plans for dinner? And he started asking me that question. And I'm, and I tell him out, I told him outright, I was like, I don't think about dinner unless I need to cook it, like at all. I don't think about it. I can cook it and I do cook it, but no, I don't think about it unless I'm cooking it. You tell me I'm cooking it. I'll find something to cook, but he's the one who eats based on his feeling. So Uh he finally realized he's like, I guess I'll do most of the cooking since we're home. Uh I'm like, I'll take that. Yeah. (laughs) So because I work, I work in this space where, Mm -hmm. um, I'm always thinking about and talking about these sorts of things. Uh, the other day, uh, the local TV news had a segment about uh, this new article that's out on how COVID is impacting, negatively impacting uh, women in academia's careers. Uh, and he was like, hey, come here, quick, see this thing. And he played it and he looked at me like, so what's the answer? And I, what's causing this? And I was like, well, because clearly their husbands aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. That's why they have to do their work between 11 and 3 a.m., as the woman in the segment said. And he just looked at me and he was like, yes. <laughs> he was just like, I get it. I get it. And he's great um, with our child. Uh, but she's also 
she's also 17. So right. she's fairly on her own. She gets up, she does her schedule. She's very good at, about keeping herself on task, feeding herself. Yeah. So it's almost like three adults in this house at this point. Well, yeah, so, I, um, I can't imagine if she was six. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a 16 year old too, and he gets left out a lot. And I'm like, cause he kind of just takes care of himself. Like if he doesn't need my help, <laughs> Like, you know, teenagers are also, you know, they, they're standoffish, so they kind of do their own yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I just leave them to be, unless he asks. I go check on him in his room, make sure it didn't become too much of a mess. Um, <laughs> so tell me, tell us a little bit more about uh, Bitch Media. Oh, so yeah, Bitch Media is an independent feminist media organization that's been around since 1996. Next year will be our 25th anniversary. Nice. Uh, it started off as a zine back in the 90s, uh, you know, photocopied, hand stapled, hand distributed, um, and has grown into this media empire, as I like to say, with a quarterly magazine and a really strong online presence. Nice. Uh, so we cover everything we can from a feminist perspective. Uh, we started off saying that bitch was about a feminist response to pop culture, but mm. we talk about politics. We talk about health, everything under the sun. So what is your role? I mean, it says you're on the board of directors. So what is your role? Do you write for it? Do you, um, what is your role? I have written for it for I have written for bitch in the past it's been a while uh, but as the board member my responsibility is governance me uh, helping to work with the executive director and what direction the organization is going to go in making sure that we are as healthy fiscally as possible which is a huge challenge during COVID um, and not when you're on a board of directors, especially for a nonprofit, which Pitch Media is, uh, you aren't doing the day-to-day -day work, but you are making sure that the executive director is making the best decisions possible, but without telling them what decisions they have to make. So it's <laughs> very weird space if no one's ever been on a board of <laughs> directors um, where govern yeah, governance is just this weird thing where you, you can't tell the ED what to do. Right. with the staff or with the organization, but you do make statements. You're like, I think, you know, we, ha we haven't fundraised as well as we could this year. So uh, how are you going to solve this? How are you going to make this decision? And then they will <laughs> present us with options and then we all hash it out. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's very painful. You know, we're, uh, I'm part of an organization called Women's Foundation and one of the uh, initiatives they have is actually women on board and it's specifically about getting women on the board of directors of organizations because again even though we tend to be the receivers and the workers for nonprofits, we don't tend to be the board members so we don't tend to be the decision makers of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done so I'm very excited we actually kick off next Wednesday um, I don't know when this is going to, this will probably be next Tuesday. So it'll come pick, kick off tomorrow night. It's free. If you want to come to the sessions, um, uh, check out my Facebook page for it. And we're doing one session a month for the next, I believe six months. And I'm really excited to bring this 
to the forefront where women can feel strong in running for board or finding the opportunities first and then getting themselves on the board. Absolutely. Super important to know. And that's, that's so, such great work. I think the uh, Chicago Foundation for Women seems like a similar organization mm-hmm. uh, and does some similar work in terms of training people to be mm-hmm. on boards um, because it's important to be in those decision-making spaces. It is. I mean, who, who's the best to tell, who has the best opinion of what's best for us <laughs> is us, <laughs> right? <It's> not, <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Men aren't the people to tell us what's the best thing for us. It's just not. Yeah. And especially as women of color too, yes, definitely. we need to get more women of color on our boards as well to have our voices heard in that space. So, yeah. So, um, as, as you know, this is a podcast about uh, being over 40. <laughs> so what yeah. phenomenal things have you done after the age of 40? Is there um, anything that stands out? So I, I, I kicked off being 40 by finally going to space camp. Um, How fun. I, yes. It was something I wanted to do when I was a kid and just never got around to, uh, partially because of money. Um, and then I put that on that back burner like, ah that ship sailed and then in my 30s I came rolled around again and I was like okay I'm gonna do it one of these days one of these days one of these days and then I think when I was 39 I was like I am gonna kick off my 40s by going to space camp and told everyone in my life don't buy me anything just put the money in a jar and that's what happened uh I had friends send me money um, and they helped me pay for it. And it was great. It was one of the best weeks I've ever had. So were you the only person older (laughs) or were there a lot of people? No. Oh my God. I was almost the youngest person in my group. Really? (laughs) It was amazing. But almost everyone there was celebrating something. Okay. Um, There was one one guy who was um, marking his divorce. Um, I think he said his ex never understood why he wanted to go to space camp. So that was, this was one of the first things he did when they got, got finalized the divorce. Makes sense. There was a father and son who was there. The dad was retiring, had just retired. So they decided to do this together. Um, there was an older couple who uh, this was something he always wanted to do. And his wife was just like, Sure. Let's do it together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so maybe not the youngest, but I was definitely in the middle. I, I really did prepare myself to be like the oldest person there and not even close. You, yeah, you don't really think about space camp and you think about adults going. Um, uh-huh. But I definitely see why the divorcee was there because if his <laughs> wife, I mean, there's a bunch of things I don't understand about my husband. That doesn't mean I stop him from doing it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if that's what you want to do, do we have money for it? Like, that's the only question that I ask. I'm like, uh-huh. do we have money for it? If we have money for it, I guess that's something you want to do. So, um, but that's fantastic. I I got to think about some real childhood dreams that I need. I want to bring to the forefront. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, a one of those indoor rock climbing gyms opened up near my office and it was something that I have done off and on 
uh, for the past few years, uh, if I could get to it, but not anything that I had really dove into. But once the gym opened up and it was dedicated to that sport, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think I took, I think I bought a Groupon, took my daughter and a friend and I went, I was like, yep, this is what I need to do. And how yeah, was that? So it was great. Uh, I before COVID, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was climbing uh, a couple times a week for almost a good eighteen months, and had been going on a regular basis for three almost three a little more than three years. Wow! I was on and it was really great. Um, also, another space I thought I'd always be the oldest person, um, and I wasn't. There is this um, older woman and an older gentleman who go to the gym and this woman who she's, she's clearly somewhere in her sixties. She's got that like frail old lady grandma look to her, mm-hmm. but she is a boss on the wall. And just so she was probably a dancer when she was younger, maybe still a dancer but she's just got that dancer body. So she just dances up the wall and does all these things. And I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I've done rock climbing one time. It was on a cruise. We went on a cruise ship and I, I had always wanted to do it, but never really had, I don't want to say the time or the money. It was just opportunity, you know, finding a gym going, Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to go because I didn't know how I was going to, how well I was going to do. So I didn't really want to invest in some kind of like a gym membership, a rock climbing gym membership. So they had it on the boat and I did it and I got up halfway. I got to the first bell and then I was like, Uh okay, I'm good. That's, that's enough. (laughs) Um, I really need to work on my upper body strength. I have like none. I have great lower body strength. I have like not no upper body strength. And even though it is a lot of lower body, you still have to like, you know, hold yourself and, mm-hmm. um, you know, balance yourself with your hands and make sure you're not off kilter and stuff like that. And I just need more work, more practice. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, there's part of me who thinks since I haven't been in the gym the last few months because of COVID, um, my, upper body should be stronger. I should have been doing like push-ups every day, but of course I'm not, <laughs> but I'll get back to it. That's a lot of pressure. One of these days, it is a lot of pressure. <laughs> so a lot of, I put a lot of pressure on myself to maintain a certain level of certain lifestyle while we were all stuck inside. <laughs> so what, uh, were, there, were there any other things that you accomplished after 40? Um, let's see. Well, I, I did do a big, well, I did do a career shift. Um, I was the director of a women in science and engineering program for about 12 years when um, I jumped at this opportunity. It was also time to leave that job after, after, after a few years doing a job uh you do get to tend to get stale and I could feel myself getting stale the last few years not doing a bad job but just like just I've done this for 12 years you're calling it in yeah you're doing enough to stay employed (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so then now, now I am the director of a, uh, uh, Latinx and science program mm-hmm. on my same campus okay. doing very similar work. Uh, but it's new, it's a new space, new kind of people, um, a new angle and a few new initiatives. So definitely the last few years have way been, I've, my energy is way up in terms of work. So nice. All right. Is That's there anything, great. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, <sighs> what else? <laughs> okay um what about well, our, i mean i've got the what about okay, our political ahead. climate right now what do you think oh. about um what's going on when we talk about feminism and we have a potential supreme court justice <laughs> uh-huh uh some i mean it's just really disturbing so someone asked the question about her doing laundry who does the laundry in her house oh and oh you didn't hear about that right no i did not i've actually been doing some self-care and not watching the hearings oh i don't watch them um i pick up on news articles and then see the response from social media Uh and someone asked one of the republican senators asked who does the laundry in her house and my thought wasn't particularly on the question itself, but the comfort level of a senator who felt that it was an okay question to ask someone sitting for the Supreme Court. Yeah. And that's how indoctrinated and how patriarchal we are, that that question would even come to his mind to ask and that is an acceptable question in his mind that, you know, it has any bearing whatsoever on her ability to do her job. <laughs> so it's just, do you have that any? Is, oh my God. <laughs> do you have any input or? I have, I have a lot of thoughts about her. <laughs> Would you like to share any of those thoughts? Um, you know, yeah, sure. Um, I think it's, it's simply put is that uh, the current nominee is asking to sit in the seat of a woman who opened so many doors for generations of women and girls to live their best lives. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg opened up doors for not just women and girls, but also people of color, um, LGBTQ people in her rulings and in her very stern, um, right, in her very firm and stern writings in terms of supporting civil rights and human rights in the United States. Um, And this woman who wants to sit in the seat of the late great Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, clearly has an agenda to shut all those doors yes um she has get, done nothing but gain from the work that ruth bader ginsburg has done and her legacy and would like probably would like nothing to do than to sh- shut all those doors once she gets in that seat um so that's pretty much sums up what i think about her <laughs> in this process right now and the fact that it's being rushed is just a an abomination um, and shameful. And yeah, 
And then that question, laundry, oh my gosh. And what I have heard come out of the hearings in terms of her uh, being asked so much about her, her children and how much she has reproduced or uh, adopted is just like, that's not her job. It's, it's not. And as much as I, a friend online pointed out, as much as I have disdain for the woman, it's also pointing out how much a woman like that should not be sitting the bench because she wants to shut those doors. She, she's didn't even really defend her. She hasn't really defended herself against any of these questions. She hasn't even right. stood up and said, I'm here for the Supreme court justice seat. I am not here to talk about my kids. I'm not here to talk about my laundry or my husband. I'm here to talk about my rulings and please stay on, on task, stay focused. Um, and that's really right. disappointing as someone who's going to have so much strength and power that she has no strength or power standing up for herself. So, oh, excellent. Yes. Um, now the other side I want to ask is, so RBG got some criticism um, from yes. the black community, especially about not doing more. And I really think I would love your in, input on how much pressure we put on one individual to do it all. <laughs> and Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how from a feminist perspective, what do you feel about when comments like that come out where RBG should have done more? Yeah. I think everyone could do more. Uh, my first thought I think about myself as I said I'm very hard on myself I hold myself to very high standards so I try I try to be the feminist I want to see in the world um, and so everyone I think everyone is open to, to critique um, the fact that she did not hire as many clerks of color as she should have. Um, I don't know what that number looks like, but, um, you know, that's definitely a place where we can be critical of her. Um, she also completely dismissed Callan Kaepernick and his protests. Um, what now is almost so commonplace that it's, it's laughable that just a few years ago, even a year ago, kneeling at, at the national anthem was we just think about it in such a different way in one year yeah. um so there's a lot of different places even our our best strongest most progressive feminist thinkers still have spaces to to learn and do better and we have to learn how to push people to do better without having to say that they don't matter yeah. Um, it's, it's just like when uh, Beyonce came out as a big feminist and, you know, had, did that dance and like the big feminist sign. Ooh, she's a feminist. And then immediately people are like, well, she also um, from uh, um uh, sweatshop labor in these clothing products. And like, as soon as somebody gets to a certain point, 
there's always a group of people who will start to like try to knock them down, find the holes in their story. And we have to find a way to appreciate and elevate people by also, but also being critical of them. So nobody's perfect, even yeah. Beyonce. Um, <laughs> and, and it's okay. Yeah. And it's okay for them to be imperfect. Our heroes can be imperfect. Um, we are imperfect. And, but what we can do is learn from that imperfection and how can we be better people in the world? I like that. How can we be better people? And really with, and unfortunately it's trial and error because, mm-hmm. you know, had we not turned around one year later for RBG on the kneeling on Kellen Kaepernick, that wouldn't have haven't even been a huge criticism. It is a huge criticism now because of the climate we're in. But last year, if she had passed away earlier, it would have been a criticism, but it would have been minor in comparison. Absolutely. And, and to take, take grace with each other, because we, I'm sure we all know somebody who a one year ago had was on the wrong side of history in terms of racial justice in this country. And we can sit all day and figure out why it took a series of, why it took certain people to die at the, um, why it took certain people to die on camera from police brutality, police violence, state violence, however you want to say it, for X person to flip. Was it because we're all inside and we have limited attention span? Uh, what was that? You know, there are people who study these things and they're going to f- try and figure out what was the, the straw that broke the collective back. Um, yeah. But, you know, they flipped. They're on the right side of history now. Let's yeah. bring them in and yeah. welcome them and say, here's your homework. here's some readings here's some movies here's some tv shows to watch catch up ask me questions and let's go get them well that's definitely the the process that i took where i try to be informative and you can quickly tell the person who is trying to learn and is still naive versus the person who's just trying to cut you down and tell you that you're stupid or whatever they want to say normally not as nice words as stupid um (laughs) and And I spent a lot of time really trying to educate and share resources and let people know and give them grace and support them and really just kind of let them know that because, you know, at some point in time, a lot of them started to say that they were tired. And I was like, yes. And now you need to keep going. (laughs) We've all been tired for a very long time and we still have to go forward. So I appreciate everything you've done. Keep going. Love you. Keep going. <laughs> and keep going, keep going, keep going. So, keep going, um, keep. <laughs> so <laughs> what would you tell a upcoming feminist, a, a younger woman who really wants to um, take feminism by the hand and drag it into the next, what is the next phase or the next generation or, where are we going from here? Um, I really see feminism as 
as continuing to build on what the previous generation has done. So any younger feminist, whatever their gender, um, just continues to live their life with a feminist ethic, through a feminist lens, making sure that your workplace is equitable, uh, being courageous and speaking out on injustices, um, sharing introductory texts with people, uh, say, this is the first book that made me get it. I think you'll understand this. Um, a lot of it is, I really do think having grace with each other in our learning curves is really key to that. Um, pull it in, dare to, dare to ask a feminist question at work. Um, why, you know, I have spoken many times in staff meetings about productivity and how us all working from home doesn't mean I, I don't expect my staff to be at the same level of productivity. We have a lot of work to do and we're getting it done, but I also understand some days someone's going to be like, you know what, I need to take a whole day. Um, just watch Hallmark movies all day and understand that, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, so I think being humane with each other and taking that into the world, whatever adventure they're on, is the way to keep this feminist thing going and growing. Awesome. So where can people find you online? Um, you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Veronica I. That's Veronica E-Y-E. And on Facebook, my podcast is at Feminista Cast. So that's Feminist A-Cast, as well as my blog is Viva La Feminista. So if you go to vivalafeminista.com, my blog is pretty dusty. But on Facebook, I try to keep it up. <laughs> oh, those blogs. Who has time oh, to like blogs. sit down and write? I know. <laughs> I really need to spiff up my website <laughs> for I will be my, going my, through my a podcast. Personal, <laughs> I'll be going through a personal <laughs> rebranding as well. Uh, right now because it's it's dusty and yeah it's old so but thank you so much for your time and i really appreciate no you coming out thank you thank you. thank you for listening to today's episode of the other side of 40 you can find us at our site the other side of 40.com and on pinterest instagram twitter and facebook at other side 40